Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up in just a few minutes, I need to tell you about a fast-growing ripoff that could empty your wallet. It's in the Clark Rage. And then later yet, what do you do if the name of your store is the price that you sell things? Well, wait till you hear the contortions retailers are having to deal with as the cost of goods for them has been headed higher. So speaking of something that has been way too expensive with not enough competition, home internet. Home internet in much of the country has been a monopoly service with the market cornered by monopoly cable companies. In a smaller number of places in the country, there will be an internet service offered to your home by a telephone company, but usually at pretty pitiful speeds. But I can tell you, this is the last year that we're going to be lacking in competition because in 2020 and 2021, we're going to see a steady rollout of various forms of high-speed home internet that's going to change the equation for you as a consumer. T-Mobile is testing a home. Actually, they're not testing anymore. They have launched a wireless home internet service that is a flat 50 a month no contract, no data caps. Now, I wanted to see what this was going to be like because, well, I'm stuck with a monopoly cable company for my internet, and I signed up to be able to do this, and they said, not at my address, which is something they learned in the testing because what they're promoting is that the initial speed will be 50 Mbps as a minimum speed. And people that we even had a someone who was a tester who complained on our boards that they were getting much slower than that, but that they lived a fair distance from the tower. So T-Mobile learned they've got to keep it close enough to a tower to see if you can get the home internet And I can't get it. But the changes that are coming are pretty amazing because over the next two years, you're going to see heavy rollout of this, to this point, overhyped 5G. T-Mobile, for its cellular customers, is launching 5G to about two-thirds of the country's population the first week of December. But don't get too excited because you have to have two particular phone units in order to be able to take advantage of the lightning fast speeds. And this is really at this point only for very early adopters or for what are known as pioneers. People just have to try everything new. And then the next wave of people get better service at lower prices. But anyway, 
We need those early adopters. So you're going to see AT&T and Verizon also roll out fast-to-the-home internet. Plus, there are others being launched by a number of companies that are launching these low-Earth orbit satellites with no latency that will have lightning-fast home and small business internet. So what T-Mobile's doing is early. The $50 a month with no data cap is important. And it'll be a while till the speeds get up to really good speeds. But at 50 Mbps, you can stream all you want, video content, you can web surf all you want. But if you're a game player and you're playing games on the internet, you're going to lose every single time because your internet connection won't be fast enough for you to compete against people who have really fast internet connections. Our son, who's 14, wants us to move just so we can move to an address that has Google Fiber so that he can have ultra-fast internet for playing games and whoop other people in games that he is disadvantaged right now with our pokey, inferior monopoly internet service that we have from the cable company. I'm not moving for that. (laughs) Daryl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Daryl. Hello, Clark. How's it going? Good, good. I have a question for you. Um, We have one daughter, one child, and she's a seven-year-old. And we have $39,000 that we've loaded into a 529 account. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations to you that you've put that much aside for a seven-year-old already. Well, thank you. We, uh, I'm a loyal listener, and we have some, uh, we've had some help from grandparents and whatnot. Um, and so, Especially anyway, from the whatnot. A, yeah. How much maybe, did the whatnots yeah, put yeah. in? Uh, the what, yeah, the whatnots is going to be the side jobs, and I say whatever I make, I'm we're putting into that. So you know, so just through that though, we've we've got you know, and, and, and actually you know, when we started it when she was born is 2012, so the market's been doing really well too. Um, so she's got 39,000 now, and I've got some more money coming our way during the holidays. I'm imagining. Uh, all of her gift money goes into it. But is there a point where I should figure she has enough money and back off contributions, maybe start an alternative savings plan for her, something that, because I'm concerned that, you know, that it has to be used just for education sure. and we could have penalty. Yeah, the penalty's ugly. So the benefit yeah. of a 529 is great. You know, in many states you get the upfront tax benefit, then the money grows tax-free and you spend it tax-free on eligible college expenses, Um, but if you don't use it for education, you get hit with all the tax that you would have avoided plus a 10% federal penalty. So it's hideously ugly if you don't use it for education. So um, any chance you can have more kids, any nieces or nephews that you want to be like the greatest uncle ever to? Oh, well, actually, we're at the, she's the last of the bunch, so probably oh. not. Yeah. And but, no nieces and I, nephews that you want to be the greatest uncle. Yeah. No. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm 51, so I was thinking if I put it into a, you know, like a separate category in my Roth, 
I might be able to withdraw it when she gets older. But I didn't know if there's anything else that could be specific for her. All right, so that's actually, uh, great minds think, because the Roth as an alternative is really good because if you're not maxing out a Roth, you can put money into it, let it grow over the years, and you own it. It's your retirement money, but you can withdraw it your your contributions at any time tax and penalty free just leave the earnings in it and so if your child needs it for college you've got it if she doesn't need it for college you've got it for retirement yeah are you already maxing out ross though well, my wife and I both have pensions, and we have not been maxing out our Roth. So then that's, we, we that's the it. perfect answer. Okay. Because right. you can, you can you. do seven a year because you're past age 50. Uh-huh. And um, if she's also age, past age 50, she can do seven each year. Otherwise, she can do six. So you could, with real peace of mind, pop money into the Roths for each of you. And then remember, the very important distinction that is essential is that you only take out contributions, never any earnings, if you're going to use any of it for her college. Right. Um, and she won't, she won't be in college until I'm almost 65 anyway, so um, we'd probably use that for later. But do you think that that 39000 is that enough that, to – to go on then well four years at a state school today is uh somewhere around eighty thousand around yeah. the country and you start looking at private schools and you're easily two hundred thousand right so i'm not she's, sure that's enough money yet she's she's heading to community college and public school clark <laughs> okay then then but. you're you're close in range so then okay. I'd say, do the Roth from here. Any chance uh, you have a brainiac there that grad school or professional school would come after that? Um, there's a chance, but probably she's more of an average student. So okay. there's a chance. But well, I, look I, at I me. I was like a below average student. Yeah. <laughs> and I ended up, uh, you know, with both an undergraduate and a graduate degree. So you never know. You never know what happens with the kid. So um, I would say use the Roth from here, knowing that gives you the flexibility and tax-free treatment you're looking for. Aaron is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Clark. Aaron, you've got a retirement question for me. I do. So I am about 32 years old. I guess I am exactly 32 years old. And I've got uh, $75,000 in a traditional IRA. No, you don't already. What is going on here? (laughs) I mean, our prior Uh, caller had already saved $37,000, I think, in a seven-year-old's 529 account. And you're 32 and you've already saved $75,000 in an IRA? I caught the bug early. Caught the bug early. (laughs) That's fantastic. all or part of that to a Roth IRA because of the current tax law situation. It's it's pretty low right now. And uh, what do you earn per year of, right now? So uh, right around a hundred uh, gross. 
All right, so that puts you in the uh, 24% tax bracket. So there's a big advantage to you doing the Roth conversion, but only if you can afford to pay the tax with funds outside that 75000 Yes, and that would be my intention to do it out of my savings. So, and, and do you have any other money that is sitting in any kind of IRA, or is this it? This, uh, 401k through my employer. Um, All right, that's not affected. Roth, that's not affected. I've already got a Roth started okay. that I do contributions towards. And what you could do if you wanted to is you could convert over a number of years, but with you being in the in the lower tax bracket that you're in, if you can afford just to to handle it and put the money in, you could all in one year. Now let me tell you the counter argument to it, and I gotta make sure I tell you this counter. Okay. Is stocks are very highly valued right now. And over the next several years, it's a near certainty that we're going to have a market correction or a serious decline. So you don't know when that's going to be, how much it'll be, and all that. But that would lend credence to you doing it over, let's say, uh, 15000 a year for five years. Okay. Because remember, the tax you're going to be pay, being paid is on the value of your 75000 right now. So if you convert it all and then the stock market suddenly decides to take a 20% bath, you've paid 20% more conversion tax than necessary. Mm, that makes sense. So that's why the five-year idea may actually be a superior one. The exception would be if you're expecting your income to zoom up in the next few years, it would put you in a much higher tax bracket. Other than that, I would do it that way. Today's Clark Rageous moment fits in the category as if you didn't already have enough busyness in your life. I'm going to add to it. So this is popping up everywhere on technology blogs that criminals have figured out how to surreptitiously put in devices in courtesy USB charging stations in airports, cafes, um, hotel rooms, where instead of you having to have a charging brick for your cell phone or other devices, you just plug in the USB into the courtesy USB charger and you charge there instead of using a traditional outlet. Well, criminals can spoil all the fun. And so they have figured out how to actually put illegal reading devices that are a form of a skimmer where they skim the information from your device. They can put malware on it that then gives them the ability to steal your data, steal your passwords, all the rest. And so you're going to hate me, but what you need to do is you need to go back to charging your devices in a traditional outlet with a charging brick. That's right. Instead of just plugging in that simple USB. Or you need to go back to using 
those uh, charging, uh, what are those things called? Are they called charging thingies? Portable batteries, thank you. What a complicated term to remember. Thank you, Joel. So I have one that's a 20 mAh thing that I take with me in my backpack when I travel, and I can plug four devices into it and charge those devices from it, just plugging in the USBs. And you can buy these portable uh, battery things for like as little as $5 now, much safer than plugging into those easily accessible, easy-to-use USBs, because they're also easy for the crook to steal from you. Wonderful to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com is where we post deals for you night and day, not just during the Christmas season, but all year long, but especially right now, everybody's on overtime, making sure you're up to the minute on the best deals, not just deals, the best deals for your wallet. Okay. This Christmas season is the first that what may be the nation's fastest growing retailer has a presence in much of the country. And I can talk about them as a place if you're looking for really affordable Christmas gifts. It's Five Below. Five Below, which is the mecca for preteen and many teen girls, although there's no requirement boys and men are allowed in the store too, but their focus is very heavily uh, teenagers. Anyway, they sell a huge number of gifts that could well be appropriate for you to buy somebody as a Christmas gift. They sell a bunch of toys, things like that, and most everything in the store, even though it's called Five Below, which means five or less, most things are sold at $5. So if you go in with a budget, you need to buy gifts for 10 people, and you're on a really tight budget, you can buy 10 gifts for 50 bucks and have taken care of all those people and not blown your budget wide apart. What makes Five Below fairly unique is they source much of what they sell in the store, meaning they design it and they manufacture it or contract manufacturing for the goods they sell with almost everything they sell being private label. They've been hurt by the various tariffs that have been imposed. And so now they've done something that shocked me, but now they have inside Five Below, they have the 10 Below Corners. And so they have 10 Below Technology, they have 10 Below Gifts, and that means they've broken the $5 barrier and they have some things that will be $10, so watch close to make sure you don't get to the register and you thought you were spending $5 on somebody and you end up spending 10 Five Below is really following a business model that has been perfected by Aldi. Aldi, now the third largest supermarket in the country, overwhelmingly sources 
everything in the store. Almost nothing is a brand name. And the American people, after years of being brand name oriented, really have gravitated in larger and larger numbers to private label. And so Aldi shoppers are dedicated to their private labels and are able to save on average 40% on their groceries. Five below, by sourcing everything, is able to undercut the price of other people's goods. Now, some things that we buy as a family or as individual family members at Five Below turn out to be poorly made and turn out to be trash and break very quickly. But that's only some things in there, and you learn over time as a Five Below shopper which items are going to be uh, durable and reliable and good. Liz is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Liz. Hi, how are you, Howard? Great, thank you, Liz. So you got a daughter who uh, bought a car and got some questions about that, right? Yes, I do. What's the scoop? Well, I, uh, my daughter bought a car and um, it's a three, a 2016 car with about 36,000 miles on it. She's about 23 years old and has her just graduated from college and just got a, her first full-time job. Um, she's had a few credit cards that um, she's used and paid off each month. So she's got a good credit score of 779. Wait, wait, but wait. 23 wanted- years old. She's already solidly established credit. She bought a used car instead of a new car as her first vehicle. Your daughter sounds like she learned very well from you (laughs) how to handle money. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, We try. Um, But I did have a question because I don't know if I made a mistake or not. Um, The car, after all said and done, we put down... 10000 on the car, and then she financed 12000 and some. Now, the only reason is, we, uh, usually when I buy my cars, I buy them from myself. I'll get to pay cash, and then I'll pay myself back. And um, I wanted her to do that, but I wanted, my question really is, how long does she, I wanted her to have a note, see what it, it felt like, and all that, but only for a very short time, and then I want to pay it off in full to save the, like, $1,800 finance fee over five years, and then she could just pay me back. Um, But I wanted her to establish credit so she wouldn't be considered a first-time buyer and increase her credit, you know? So, like, yeah, but her credit score, her credit score, her credit score is top drawer, She's already demonstrated with credit cards that she can handle them responsibly. Um, I think, though, there's something at 23. This is going to sound weird, but I think there's an advantage for her um, paying this to a third party instead of paying you back. Psychologically, mm-hmm. I think part of standing on her own two feet is paying that loan back. Right. So if you're just looking at dollars and cents, paying it off, uh, it's not going to harm her credit because her credit's already good. 
She will have mm-hmm. demonstrated that she can successfully handle a, a vehicle loan and she could just pay you every month. But I just think there's a, a valuable life advantage her paying it off as agreed. And if she wants to pay extra and pay it off quicker, because five years is really way too long a loan term on buying a four-model-year-old used car. Right. That's that's what she was thinking she would pay it off quicker. And so, so I would right. let her do that right to the lender. Okay. Just because she she's going to need to uh, be a borrower on her own. She's going to need to, you know, handle things like that. And I think it's a great teaching thing. You know, over five years, the $1,800 isn't really going to matter as long as she's disciplined with money. If she pays it off mm-hmm. quicker, she's going to steadily reduce how much right. in total net interest she'd pay. So right. I would let her pay it out. Okay. All right. Well, that that's very helpful. That's what I was just I was just unsure about, which was the best way to go. And will it increase her credit rating? Over time, having a variety of credit and more credit history will help her, but only marginally. If she's at seven seventy nine, she's in rarefied air. She's of extremely low credit risk. The just about the highest level borrower that could be in terms of credit standing. So I wouldn't worry about that. She understands money very well. James joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, James. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, James. You bet. You got a question about your daughter, too. I do. And this is kind of an odd one. This is not the type of question that we usually have. I, I have three daughters in college right now. My youngest actually has a unique problem in that she has more money for college than she needs at this point. Um, my goodness, how did she pull that off? She's a, all of my girls are just rock star kind of kids. Of course, I'm biased, but they're really great <laughs> students. They work extremely hard, and uh, they really kind of apply themselves. They get the value of, you know, they're, they're just top-notch kind of kids. Anyway, this daughter was a recipient of several smaller and then one major, major uh, scholarship. And the, the, the smaller scholarships really take care of her expenses. And then this major scholarship is it's four year renewable and it's uh, it's much more than she needs now. She'll need more as she moves on into and she can apply this uh, in a graduate level program that she's planning on doing. So my question and our question together, I was trying to work with her and I'm actually saying, Hey, Clark Howard's, I got to ask that um, the online banks, I've heard you talking about, they give the best returns on savings. Cause I think that's, and if you have better ideas, tell me, uh, we just want to put this in some account that's semi liquid. Don't, don't really anticipate needing the funds quickly. Um, but it's drawing the best interest for her so that when eventually she needs it, she'll have access to that. And how much does she have that she can deposit? Um, about 10000 right now, 9500 10000 And then each year for the next two years, she'll probably have about that amount um, until she gets into her graduate program. And she's not going to need, like, in a hurry to draw on that money as far as you're aware. 
No, not really. We have, you know, some functional cash that, um, you know, if a car repair or something, you know, pops up like that, we can handle, you know, you know, a small amount uh, would not anticipate any large withdrawals. Okay, so I'm going to make a suggestion that I started making about, oh, two or three months ago. That is in a circumstance like you described, instead of doing an online savings account, do a one-year CD with an online bank. Okay. And the reason I've been suggesting that is with us in a slowing economy and interest rates declining, the online savings account rates can change every day. They respond directly to the marketplace interest rates. And so they've been coming steadily down. Right. And you can lock in a one-year CD at about 2.2%, somewhere right around there. Okay. And so that's what I would grab is a one-year CD. And then let's see where the economy is a year from now. Okay. Because why, why uh, there's an expression they use about uh, why would you, uh, well, something about a falling knife. Forget it. I, I always screw up these fra- trite <laughs> phrases. But the point is the rates on savings are going down. The CD you can lock and hold in place. And so that's where I'd go. If you go to bankrate.com, put in one-year CDs, and then scroll down, you'll see the difference in rates. And um, the differences from place to place with the online banks is meaningful but not huge. And okay. so you'll just be able to say, okay, we'll go with that one because they're paying a little bit more than somebody else and just lock it in for the year. Quick question. So we're also at a, a local community bank, very strong, but it's a community-based bank. Um, any chance that if we go in there and say, hey, we found this online, do these banks even start to think about matching those? Rates? Maybe. Maybe. You know, a big bank just has its rate sheet and they're like, yeah, so we pay 0%. How much you want to put in? <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you can, if you can get a match at a local community bank, grab it. Yeah. Otherwise, do one of the onlines and get the best deal you can. Clark, I appreciate your help. You're always in a, your advice is always great. Thanks. And congratulations to you on having three rock stars as kids. <laughs> Thanks. That's Bye. really fantastic. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chris. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. I'm so excited to hear that you are a successful real estate entrepreneur. That's right. Trying to be like you. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you've heard. I've been selling properties like crazy. 
Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've reached a point where I've had really nice appreciation in the properties. I've accomplished what I wanted to financially. And I was like, you know what? Let somebody else have the fun. Yeah, there you go. So I've been, I've sold six. Oh, wow. And I'm down to one rental property. Hey, you and me both. I got one. And uh, actually, the reason I was calling is as I just uh, um, was fortunate enough to be able to pay it off. And I was wondering if um, now would be a good time for me to look into putting it into an LLC. Yeah, the there's a couple of things you can look at. So LLC is cheap to set up, but there's some hassle with them. Um, but the advantage is that nothing in your life is at risk outside of that LLC. If somebody, let's say something horrific happened at that rental property and somebody sets up a meth lab and it explodes or a crime takes place at the property and your liability exposure is just ginormous. By having it in an LLC, all that would happen is the LLC is at risk in that property, but nothing else you built up in your life is at risk. Now, mm-hmm. the alternative, and this depends in part, um, what kind of assets do you have otherwise, would you guess? Like a sense of uh, some kind of general range of what you think your net worth is. Um, I guess I would say like around 200. Okay, so in your case, you may not need to do an LLC. And what you could do instead is you could buy an umbrella insurance policy, mm-hmm. which would likely leave your life less complicated and you'd avoid the, uh, the ancillary costs you have with having an LLC. And an umbrella policy sits on top of the landlord liability policy or whatever kind of insurance you have on that property and what you have elsewhere in your life in terms of liability. And the umbrella is like a shield that runs beyond your normal coverage in the event something that's a big potential claim occurs. And the the umbrella policies are, for what you get, phenomenally cheap. Like buying a million dollars worth of umbrella tends to cost uh, more or less $200 in most states. And then each additional million is cheaper because they've already issued the policy and the risk of a claim that would out, outrun that first million is very unlikely. So you could go either direction. Um, if you told me you had added a zero to your net worth and you were at a couple of million I would actually tell you to have an umbrella policy and put the rental property in an LLC. I got you. But and can I just circ- ask a follow-up question? Sure. Um, I, I actually, my current tenants are getting ready to move out, so I'm going through the process again of um, I'm screening tenants. I know you you, re- you recommend some um, companies to uh, you know vet um, different people, but I've never used them before. So once I once I put them in contact with the, or use the, use the company and the company, you know, verifies them. I guess, it, does it give me a pretty, uh, um, a well thought out view of each possible tenant saying like this one's better than this one? So that depends that on, work? that depends on how much data you get. Now, one of them that, that we've recommended is one called Smart Move, yeah, which is I'm actually a subsidiary of TransUnion for screening yeah, so- tenants. 
And the idea of that is to reduce the chances you're going to have somebody trash your place or they're going to default on the, on the rent. So there are several services like that. Some go way deep background. Most concentrate typically on credit profile, but doing that kind of thing with a potential tenant is very important. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.